key for them and their success is their service model. So if we can continue to, to build out their product set and they can deliver all the solutions that their companies need with the service levels that they demand, it's a win-win for them and us. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast from Currency Cloud. This is Jeff Forkin, your host from Currency Cloud, and I have with me today Mike Salerno from FMB Omaha. Mike, why don't you go ahead and uh, give a quick introduction to the audience who you are and, and how you got to be where you are with FMB? Sure, thank you. Uh, again, Mike Salerno with First National Bank of Omaha. I am currently uh, the lead director for our global banking group and responsible for all cross-border payments, foreign exchange, and, and trade services. I joined the bank in 2002 and was brought on in 2004 to join the international group to build out our foreign exchange trading capabilities. been with the group ever since and then took over leadership for basically sales, trading, and our trade services team in the last three years. main focus for myself has been really understanding finance institutions and correspondent banking and finding you know, the best solution sets to help smaller community and regional banks build out their international capabilities. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And Mike, I know you and I, we met up at the, the Bankers Association of Finance and Trade in Chicago a few weeks back, and we got to talking. We feel like, I know both of us, we see this, there's this trend in kind of de-risking across from the larger financial institutions. And we spoke a little bit about that and what you guys are doing over there. Maybe you can provide some color around that. Yeah. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, after the recession, the banks had to look at a lot of different things. And, and one of the, the issues they were brought was just the compliance and BSA, AML uh, around third-party risk and correspondent banking. And, and really, it was probably one of the areas that more of the larger banks, whether they were large national or global correspondent, really tightened up and, and created a whole host of opportunities for other correspondents to come in. We, you know, in our market and, and throughout the U.S., we see more community and regional banks starting to go after relationships more upstream that have international capabilities. And, and for multiple reasons, we're seeing a shift of those companies, those small to medium-sized enterprises, to community and regional banks. And it's, it's created a challenge. It's new opportunities to drive loan and deposit growth, but they have a hard time establishing uh, multiple correspondent relationships to facilitate trade or cross-border payments. And today in the international market and in, in discussion across our, my peers is that it is nearly impossible to start a, 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 you know, an international team from ground up, being able to reach out to a foreign institution, establish an account or even get an RMA via SWIFT to facilitate trade transactions over the SWIFT network. And what we've done is we've made a commitment here at First National Bank to continue to service our downstream correspondent banks, you know, from the small community bank and some of the, the rural communities in the Midwest, to some of the mid-sized and smaller regionals throughout the, the U.S. And, and some concentrations on the coast to really leverage our infrastructure and technology and help them kind of bridge that gap. Our goal really is to, to help them kind of along the way understand some of the challenges and the lessons that we've learned, but at the same time, give them access to the global network that we have built for two reasons. One, it allows them to, to hopefully 
get the volume and, and generate the revenue to build the business case to eventually bring more stuff in-house and establish relationships overseas. But for us, it's really another opportunity for us to be an aggregator. Um, we spent a lot of time on the model and with risk and compliance to allow this, but it really allows us then to basically be an aggregator and help us strengthen the correspondent relationships that we have globally and, and take that additional volume and, and, and continue to increase our network. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because, you know, like you said, there's this opportunity with the large FIs kind of moving away from wanting to, to provide the international banking capabilities to some of the smaller FIs. And I think there's a shift across the banking industry in general and from the customers where, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of a little fed up with the larger institutions and kind of the, the lack of good service. And so I think some of these corporates would be happy to go back and, and be serviced by their community bank on an international level. So it's really cool what you guys are doing by bringing this, these capabilities into their, essentially into the local bank's ecosystem. And now they can, uh, they can better service their, their local customers and their community. Yeah, I would say the common theme that I see throughout the United States when we're in these communities and talking to, to our, our, you know, our partners is that their corporations and the opportunities that they're seeing believe they need to be with a large money center or national bank. So they have that whole relationship from a loan and deposit, but there's pockets of business that are being carved off and they're going with the larger banks because they think they have to. And it is a concern because as that company grows, that other bank is now in their relationship and then they will start to peel off some of that and it really takes it away. Um, what we're really trying to do is provide the same services that they can get from a national bank embedded into their same operation that they have today. So try not to make a material change, but mm-hmm. really allow them to add new solutions that in the same delivery that they have today, whether it's through their technology or enhancement that we can provide in technology, but the key for them and their success is their service model. So if we can continue to, to build out their products at and they can deliver all the solutions that their companies need with the service levels that they demand, it's a win-win for them and us. Yeah. And so when I talk to banks, a lot of times, you know, you, with, especially with international payments and foreign exchange, you get into these compliance conversations. How are you addressing the, the compliance aspect? Are you, are you guys fully taking that on on behalf of your customers as well? Or how does it work exactly? Well, if you're going to be a bank and you're going to offer these services, you're obviously going to have to have some obligations around just knowing your customer enhanced due diligence and as well as just the ongoing transaction monitoring. So you can never fully offload your compliance burden to a partner. And I think where we really try to help with those banks is as they're growing, there is an uneasiness about the enhancements that they're going to have. What do they need to do? What do they should should they be doing in order to take care of you know the, the regulatory burden from suspicious transaction monitoring and list screening? And what we really try to do is partner with them on understanding what that is, give them the tools that they need, and and really kind of educate them on best practices. So it usually starts almost immediately where they have one of their big commercial customers and they need the service, and they're going to start offering those products from a defensive perspective. Not only can we come in and just be a service provider, but we want to make sure that they can service them appropriately from a sales and relationship management standpoint. But then we really want to have, you know, another conversation of how do we turn this into a huge growth mode? And that is really reviewing their operations, not only, you know, processing the transactions efficiently, 
but what should they know from, from the compliance standpoint? And again, we want to supplement that and we want to be a partner to let them understand what should they be doing to protect their bank? What are the different risks so they can then really outline what their risk appetite is and make sure that they are, are not going to do certain transactions that would go beyond that, but then also have an open conversation, not only with our compliance team, but compliance officers throughout the community of similar peer-sized banks to make sure that they know what they should be doing and really get them comfortable with the transactions that, they're, that they are going to process. Yeah, so you, take a, you really get in there and get to know your customer from their business perspective and understand their risks so that you can actually just help them design an efficient model when it comes from all the way from customer onboarding to back-end operations and compliance. And you can really define, you help them define their market, it sounds like. Yeah, we try to take a, a two-pronged approach when we deal with it with one of our partners. Is We want to not just like the big banks come in and say, you know, we're going to bring some technology or automation to your operation, and then we're going to process things efficiently. So, you know, from a, from a back office perspective, it, it's great because there's automation, but they're leaving a lot of revenue on the table, and they don't have flexibility in their price. So it, it's really kind of a trade-off. When we come in with a solution, we're really going to take two different avenues. We're first going to come in and figure out what they have today. How are they processing? Do they have an online and mobile technology? What are their capabilities in, in their core or wire platform? And really work with them on a, creating a solution set for them. Once we get that and we're, we're through the implementation, the next piece we really want to focus on is now that you're processing, what do you need from an operations perspective? Do you understand how to you know, communicate settlement instructions for your incoming transactions? Do you have automated processes around list screening and sanction screening? What are you doing from a transaction monitoring perspective just to look for suspicious activity? How would you handle investigations and how do you communicate the, the timetable between, you know, setting a fed wire from SWIFT? So we really want to come in and understand holistically what they're trying to achieve. Where do we need to pick up and, and kind of be that back office or operational, but really be uh, a resource for them to educate them and make sure that they've got a roadmap in place that as their business grows, the risk is going to increase and what are the steps to mitigate that risk? The second piece that we find is in, when the banks are coming in and they're going to start offering, whether it's foreign exchange or letters of credit, that's great because they're serving a need for one customer, but they don't really have the staff and they really don't have the appetite to go and buy, to go out and hire sales staff to go actively trying to sell these services. So we'll actually partner with them and, uh, with another resource to help them grow their book of business. Net sales resource will come up and help with marketing collateral. They will help with sales presentations and templates. But more importantly, they will, you know, help cultivate kind of their commercial loan book and try to find opportunities and some of the secrets that we have to find out what are the low-hanging fruit that maybe someone was dealing with another provider and bring that in to help increase your volume. And once we kind of get that going and we have some education and the treasury and the RMs and the lenders and everyone feels comfortable with what we're trying to do and understand the risks and the revenue, then we help say, now how do you take these products and separate yourself with your competitors and use it as a wedge to get into new relationships that maybe you thought you couldn't have on your books before. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So, how have things been? You know, have you have you seen uh, a big demand for this? And since the since the kind of de-risking has happened in the last couple of years, I'm assuming that uh, you're seeing a nice increase. And in, in how is it being received 
by the local banks. They, they're pretty, they're, they're really excited to hear from you guys typically? Yeah, I would say that they, they are excited, but it's not until we can actually get in front of them. I think most banks, when they're looking at this, they're doing, they have two strategies. One, do they integrate through their wire platform to another provider, which creates complete operation, uh, you know, efficiencies, and they can offer just FX wires, similar as a, as a Fed wire. So from an operational perspective, it works, and they can provide that single service, and they don't really have any other risks. The other side is saying, that's great, but we are not able to offer a full suite of products. We have trouble with you know, trying to get funds into our bank. We also know that I don't have control over pricing. So whether it's a large commercial customer or it's a, a small business, we don't get to price those deals differently. All that control is gone. And it's really with that group that they're, it's, it's refreshing because we can come in and we're not pitching a cookie cutter solution. We really want to understand what their capabilities are because everybody's all over the place. They might already have one Nostro or they might have a rate fee or they might have someone that has some international experience. And I think when we can come in and we show them that we're going to create our solution that's going to fit around what they're doing operationally today and provide those two resources from an operation and sales perspective, they get really excited. But then when they see that we can help them from you know just having a say in how we're going to price their clients and understand how we're, we're truly going to be a partner and give them the tools for them to grow is much different than, than I think anyone else is out there. We're not going to just negotiate a, a revenue spread or a percentage of a rebate. We know that community banks and regional are all based upon relationships, and they're going to understand that relationship and that customer and their needs. And we want them to have just as much you know, say in, in how we're going to price them, what products we're going to offer them, how we're going to service them. And we really see as an extension of, of our, our own bank. And I think that's where we really have seen the success and the traction. You know, we started offering to, to banks that are a little bit smaller than us. And, and we've actually have seen quite a bit of interest from banks now. And we have, you know, regional banks that are even bigger than us that will outsource their, their cross-border payments to us just because of our model and just because our philosophy from a customer and a relation standpoint is really in tune with what they are, they are doing today and, and creates a, a lot of synergies. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Really powerful that you guys are able to move up the market and take on even banks larger than the shelf. It kind of just tells you how big of a need there is out there for this service. Just curious, how long, when did just F&B really get into doing this? Has it been uh, more of a recent thing or it's been a long term? Well, First National Bank has, you know, we've had a correspondent banking group almost since, you know, our start 160 years ago. And we have relationships that date back over 100 years. When I came on in to build out our desk in 2004, we, we did not have a lot of our smaller banks that were processing through us. But as we made our investment in technology and really built out our desk in 08 and 09, that's when we really start seeing an interest from other banks. Through that recession, again, there were some of those, those small and medium-sized businesses that maybe were looking for a new partner because they were being pushed out or weren't getting the service from, from the large national banks. And they obviously were coming to us for traditional correspondent banking services. And at that, that time, we had, you know, a back office tool that we could basically deploy to rekey it in a, a transaction. And what that really led to is we had, you know, a, a core group of banks that were using us. And as their business and their banks grew, either organically or through acquisition, their volumes grew. And we were able to invest that money back into our business to start creating more automated solutions. And that's when we started getting involved more actively in, in the space, we have a national footprint on some of the other products we offer to FIs. And as we're naturally talking to payments, 
that was one conversation that came up. And just being part of, as you said, going to Bath and some of the other industry, you know, forums and conferences, when I would get up there and speak it and talk about what we're doing, or we'd have a customer that would reach out to a peer and ask and then say what we were doing, it just kind of happened organically over the last two or three years. So obviously, we're not a perfect fit for everybody. We don't win every deal. But we really see ourselves as, you know, we want we want this, this industry to grow. It's a very small community. There's a lot of regional banks that are in this space. And, and we try to help out with expertise and, and try to, you know, make as many regional banks successful in this space so they can protect their relationships and continue to grow. Sometimes it's a long play and we do, you know, they might just leverage maybe our, our network and, and swift connections to streamline incoming payments. Mm-hmm. And, and other times they're, you know, where their complete technology solution and, and, you know, we have banks that will completely outsource and they could be doing anywhere from two trades to, to 100 trades a day. Wow. Yeah, no, definitely very compelling. I know it's great to hear what you guys have done over there. I think from our perspective at Currency Cloud, we feel the same way. Uh, there's definitely a, a, an opportunity in, in, I guess, somewhat of a, a well-defined segment, which is these underserved community banks and regional banks in the United States that just need the international FX capabilities. So, Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. If you can, let the listeners know how to get in touch with First National Bank for your service. Yeah, sure. You can contact me uh, at any time. My direct number is 402-602-3552, or feel free to shoot me an email at msalerno at fnni.com. That's M, S as in Sam, A-L-E-R-N-O at F as in Frank, N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, I as in Idaho.com. Awesome. Mike, thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.